welcome back to the newest episode of Wardam Veterans Presents Been in the Fight. I'm your host, Benjamin Barentine, and this week's guest is Matthew Jones. Matthew is, uh, or Matt, Matty Ice. He is the vice president of the Auburn Student Veterans Association. Matthew Jones served in the United States Marine Corps as an 0861 fire supportman. He's from Clanton, Alabama, which is also known as Peach Park for those that's ever passed through Alabama. Uh, he's currently a junior in building construction. He's minoring in business, and he's been stationed in Camp Lejeune and had a few travels around the world. We're going to get to know him a little bit, hear his story, and uh, just kind of you know learn about each other. All right, so Matt, welcome to the show. Ah, it's nice to be here. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, real quick, I, I know you know you've you've listened to the last couple of episodes. Right. Uh, this week, we're, you know, or last couple of weeks, we started a- asking five quick questions, kind of little icebreakers to get to know you a little bit. Um, right. Right, and, right. All right. So, five questions. You've got five seconds. Five seconds. All right. And then we're going to get into the you know everything about you. But first, we're going to get to know the real cookie the real matt jones real matt all right jones. real fast if you could have one animal and shrink it down to domestic size what would it be polar bear Ooh, that's a good one what's the weirdest food you've ever eaten scorpion um if you could have someone follow you around all the time like a personal assistant mm-hmm. what would you have them do five seconds constantly order me food order your food mm-hmm. okay all right, we'll circle back. In my own little personal Grubhub app person. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so if you, would you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or travel to the future and meet your descendants? Back in time, for sure. For sure? Yeah. Why? So things have happened. I know what's happened. I can go back and ask about it. Uh-huh. I don't know what's happened in the future. Right, 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 right. I don't right. want to know. Okay, I get that. That's true. Yeah, I don't want to know what happened to me. You know, because yeah. then you, yeah, you live in fear and... What if you're like, what if your descendants are little turds? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, That'd be super depressing. All right. So the last question, and this is the most important question, and uh, it will go down in history. This is your official answer to spicy chicken sandwich, Popeye's or Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A? All day, every day. God's I need, chicken. Uh, I need better guests on here. All right. So now let's circle back around. So, you know, we, we introduced you a while ago. You're from Clanton, Alabama, right? Uh, which, for those that don't know, that's you know just center of the state. Like yeah. literally, fold the state in quarters, and the crease will be on Clanton. Right, Clanton, Alabama, Peach Park. Which I know myself growing up, you know, traveling down, you know, going to the beach or you just traveling through. Like you never not stop. Right. Like everyone stops at the Peach Park to get peach ice. And it's, I mean, it's the halfway point for a lot of people coming to the beach, mm-hmm. and it's like the perfect distance to that be your last gas fill up. Mm-hmm. To make the final push to the beach. Right. Cause, and especially, you don't want to stop, you know, in Montgomery. You don't want to stop in Birmingham, you know. Right. It's, it's perfect. You know, if anyone at the Peach Parks wants to sponsor this episode and just give me peach ice cream, that's cool. I'm down with that. Uh, but if you haven't been there, it's incredible. Like, it is the epitome of, like, Alabama roadside peach ice cream. Peach, homemade. Homemade peach cobbler, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's amazing. Look it up. There, there's also like, they always have the uh, the beauty pageant. Yeah, the, the every year is the peach festival, peach right. jam. They have the the peach pageants yeah, yeah. from Queen, which I think is like max 21 year old. And then yeah. all the way down to Tiny Miss. I just came out of my mom's womb. Yeah, yeah. Little Miss Peaches. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I never, I mean, it's always like right there. It's the same sign. They just updated yeah. every year right. since I was a kid. All right, so let's get back on track here. 0861 Fire Supportman. Yeah. Okay. Real quick, what what is that? Because I know you know. So he was in the. You're in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I know you know between the Navy, the Marines, Army, Air Force. There's a lot of the same jobs that, but they're just named differently. You know, right. like like uh, Hot Wheels. You know, I, I don't even remember what they called him, but he was a rigger. Like he yeah. was a parachute rigger. Right. Like, yeah. He packed parachutes. It was just crazy. I mean, you know. But anyways, go ahead and uh, so yeah. I mean, just to put it down to basics, the Marine Corps MOS naming system—the first two numbers Mm -hmm. is your general field, right? So 08 is artillery, Mm -hmm. and then your second two numbers is your individual job. Okay. So six one is considered a fire support man, and then that you start out, you you learn how to call in and adjust artillery Mm -hmm. and direct fire. Um, Mm -hmm. Then you move. To um, you go to a school in Coronado, uh, same place as Buds, mm-hmm. and you learn pretty much the same processes 
to call in naval gunfire, like from destroyers and stuff like that. And you learn more about different kinds of ships that can help you out. And then when you hit the fleet, you have everything you need to know to call in naval and land, um, indirect fire, mortars, artillery, mm-hmm. naval gunfire. And then you probably have to spend about a year and a half or so in the fleet. And then they send you to JFO school. and Which is? Joint J- Fire Observer. And so that is just a more in-depth in the air part of fires. And you're not certified to call in air support, but you're qualified. Okay. So, you know, it's two different meetings. Right, 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 yeah. So JTAC, uh, Joint Terminal Attack Controller, Mm -hmm. can have a JFO work for them uh, or a forward air controller, which is an officer, um, usually a pilot that comes to the ground side or can be an airborne back, Mm -hmm. can have a JFO work for them, as in, like, the JFO does all of the the locating, the targets, prepping the 12-step process, the the nine lines that that it takes to get the support in. And then, but they can't actually authorize a weapons release. They can't clear hot. Right, 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 right. A so, J, but, the, but the JTAC's the actual one on the mic. And once you say clear hot, it is all on whoever said that. So fire supportman is kind of the entry level, and and then there's there's those different. Well, fire support means your your primary your rate operationally. Right. JFO was my was my main thing gotcha. throughout my enlistment. Okay, very cool. Let's get into what did you do in high school? Like, why why did you join the Marine Corps to be an 0861 fire supportman? I was a hoodlum. A hoodlum? Uh, a hoodlum. I am the youngest of five siblings. Oh, boy. Brothers, sisters? All sisters. Oh, man. So I'm in high school. All of my sisters have graduated. Mm-hmm. And my parents, I don't want to say they gave up. Right. I want to say they were they, just tired. Yeah, I want to say they were tired. They were worn out. I pretty much had two roles in high school. Mm-hmm. Graduate, don't get arrested. Okay. I only got one out of those two. <laughs> right, okay. Now, I, my GPA in high school um, wasn't going to get me into college. Mm-hmm. I did like, JUCO wasn't even an option for me. Right. People that know me from back home know that I had a lot of help my senior year mm-hmm. in terms of getting out of high school. Right. And because I, I wanted to do the football thing, I thought I was good at football. I wasn't. Right. Disclaimer, I was not good at football. Right. We all thought we were good. Yeah. You know. I sent in videos to like D3 schools. It was like, can I play? And they're like, but your grades. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so leading up to graduation, me and some friends decided it was a good idea to go side by side down the interstate at 140 miles per hour. In cars? In cars. Motorcycles? Cars. cars. Okay. Yes. Um, Hyundai Tiburons, if anybody remembers what those are. Okay. Saw the blue lights. Mm-hmm. I immediately was like, okay, I'm pulling over. Um, the other guy went up a little bit. Then he decided to pull over. State trooper was very mad. I think mad's an understatement. Uh, we were, me and the other driver, we were in cuffs. Mm-hmm. 17 at the time. So it's not like they could have taken us straight to jail. I don't, okay, I don't want to say arrested. Right. They did not take me to jail that night. Okay. I was detained. Right, right. Um, Handcuffed. And at this point, I had signed into the delayed entry program in the Marines Mm -hmm. during Christmas break. So Mm -hmm. I am, I am on deck to go to boot camp soon after graduation. Right. So, what really helped me out was my first person I wanted to call was my recruiter, who was I would say more mad than the state trooper. Yeah, he's about to lose that quota. He's on the phone with the state trooper. State troopers are calling my parents. My dad didn't speak to me for like three weeks. Yeah. It probably wasn't that long. I'm graduating. Yeah. Right. He was very mad at me. I I went to court. Told him the whole, please, sir, I'm going to to serve my country. Please don't let me go to jail. Oh, well, I had a good lawyer. So the lawyer helped helped me argue that case. The state trooper that that pulled me over had to show the court that day. And I wouldn't say stood up for me. He like backed me up. Right. Telling the judge that 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 the recruiter was the first person I called. And that um, I had no record at this point. That right. I wasn't caught up until this point. Right. I was young. I was dumb. Yeah. Please let the Marine Corps discipline me. Yeah. So that worked out. And then the judge was like, you're going to have a lot harder time in the Marines <laughs> yeah. than you will have in jail. So yeah. I spent a weekend in juvie. Okay. 48 hours. It was kind of like, a, we're going to put you here so you know what right. could happen. A little taste. Yeah. 80 hours of community service. Yeah. Been it there. felt like 800 hours of community service. Been there. And then I had to show up to three different wrecks that were caused by speeding. Probation officer would call me, hey, there was a wreck on the interstate at this area. Dude was speeding, hit a sign. Go to it. 
Oh, yeah. And I had to take pictures. I had to, I had to write what happened and why it could have been avoided. I did three of those. And at the end of the summer, I turned all my stuff into the judge, and she was like, good luck in boot camp. And then, yeah, so yeah, then that's when my military career started, August of 2012, no, yeah. September, the first week. That's the that. kind of story you want. You know? Yeah. Much respect to our boys in blue out there who did, did the right thing. Let old Matty Ice here. Thank you, State Trooper. I do not remember your name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let our boy here go serve yeah. his country. I did go back and see the judge after I graduated boot camp. That's cool. All right, so, so you know, that's a hell of a story. Great story. You get, get you into boot camp. Uh, but why the Marines? Okay, so why, like, so that's how, that that's what led up to it. What gave you that initiative, that motivation to sign up and enlist into the Marine Corps in a time of war? So the feel-good story, my dad was a Marine. Okay. And he blasted throughout my childhood that there is nothing better than the Marine Corps. Right. Right. I'm sure every other branch gets tired of hearing that. Oh, yeah. Best-looking uniforms by far. Yeah. That is not what got me. Right, right. But um, that father was uh, a Marine. My grandfather was in the Army, and his my great-grandfather was in the Navy and was an original frogman. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. And for all of those out there that are not sure what a frogman is, can you go ahead? It's uh, like the first generation Navy SEALs, like right. what the Navy SEALs were born out of were the frogmen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually on D-Day swam underwater and like got rid of mines. Oh, wow. At Omaha yeah. Beach. That gave me goosebumps. That's yeah. cool. That's very cool. He made it home. Really? Yeah, he he was alive until about ninety seven. I don't remember him being alive, but there's pictures of me sitting on his lap. Right, and I was born in ninety four. So, dang, that's cool. That's yeah. super cool. All right, so you you had mentioned that that was a feel good story. What was the? Is there a non feel good story? Or was just a, I was you, you a, were a hoodlum and you needed some discipline. No, so fall semester my senior year in high uh-huh. school, um, went to a, like a high school career fair they had in a church mm-hmm. fellowship hall, mm-hmm. and the Marines had a stand there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my dad's a Marine. Let me go talk to this guy. Yeah. I just, you know, let me talk to the Marine. So I signed my name on a little business card mm-hmm. and he gave me some cool swag. Yeah. I don't know. A month later, he calls me, hey, why don't you come down and let's talk at the recruiting office to see what options we have. And next thing you know, I'm sitting in Pizza Hut in Clanton, Alabama, signing a contract with my parents, <laughs> signing the, the you can go at 17 years old. Right. Paper. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. That's awesome. It yeah. kind of just all came like 100 miles an hour from me signing that business card to get swag from the recruiter. Right. To me signing my contract yeah. to, into a delayed entry program. Yeah. Was only like five weeks. Yeah. And so it, it's always interesting, you know, when you talk to student veterans and you talk to veterans in general, like what was that moment, you know, that the you went to the fellowship hall, you went to that, you went to that meeting, you signed that thing. And the next thing you know, like, ah, you know, what? what am I doing? I'm, and then boom, you're at boot camp. Yeah. And then boom, you're deployed. Boom, you're back home. And then boom, you're out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's crazy how those little events, you know, a lot of people, you know, you had that story about your grandfather. You had that story, you know, about your father. Um, and a lot of people have those those really in-depth uh, and, and personal stories. Mm-hmm. But then for a lot of people, it's just, yeah, I was sitting there and I, I signed my name on a piece of paper and bam, you know, I, I'm yeah. Navy SEAL. Bam, I'm, I'm, I'm whatever. Um, and then becoming a fire support man was even a so the recruiter. He probably blocked me mm-hmm. on his phone. I get to so I go through boot camp MCT. Right. I get to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and all of you Army people's probably heard it before. Oh yeah. Um, worst place on the planet. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, yeah, if you're a if you're a fire support man, a forward observer, mm-hmm. your your class will start for a month. Contact your recruiter, see if you can go home for PTAD. That's like recruiter's assistance for you people who don't right. know. Like get to right. go home and work with a recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, like private daycare. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and they're like, but if you, not Ford Observer, if you're fire direction control, which is the people who figure out where to point the artillery cannons. Okay. If you're one of those people, you have 30 days, call your recruiter, see if you can go home or take whatever leave you have. Okay. If you're Ford Observer, your class starts in like 10 days, you can't go anywhere, don't leave base. Oh, wow. And I'm like, in my head, I thought I, from the when I signed my paperwork, I thought I was fire direction control. So I put in to go on PTAD. I was like, I want to go home for a month. And this staff sergeant, who I'm pretty sure was going through a divorce at the time, very mad um, for no reason. Right. Most D6s are just angry and Called general. me all kinds of names for how stupid I was. Right. Because I was trying to go home when I only had 10 days till class started. Yeah. 
So that's when I found out I, became, I was going to become a fire support man. So you had acted through boot camp and all this other stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, all Marines go through like yeah, a yeah, short right, infantry school. Right. So I've been through that, yeah. Had no idea. You had no idea what you were going to be. I knew it was going to be an artillery field. Right. I'd signed, so apparently my contract said 08XX. Oh. And so that's what I had signed. And so when you get there, they're like, oh, no, we need more of these people. Oh, and then according to your ASVAB line scores, they, right. they kind of figure out who's, if you're if you're a gun bunny, and I'm not knocking on gun bunnies, but I kind of am, mm-hmm. your ASVAB score doesn't have to be that high. Right. Okay. Mine okay. was a little elevated. But also, you know, for all of you out there that, that did that, you know, we love you too. We yeah. much respect. Uh, Matty Ice is just playing around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you get through the school. The school lasts a couple of, couple of months, about a year and a half, you said, in total until from the time you went to boot camp to the time you reported to the fleet. Oh, that was, no, that wasn't long at all. Uh, September, boot camp. I think it was April-ish that okay. I hit the fleet. So, yeah, not uh, six, seven months. Seven months total from yeah. the time, you, you know, street to seat. There yeah. you are. All right, so you show up, and you were ju- you were stationed at Camp Lejeune the whole time, The whole right? time. Like, I was only in for one contract, so yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, so one contract, four years, four and a half yeah, years, something years. like that? Yeah, So you, you show up to Camp Lejeune. Talk to us a little bit about your experiences, you know. you know, Did, did, did you have a pl- deployments at all, you know, while you are at Lejeune? Right. Camp Lejeune, you're going to open up a Pandora box if we get into Camp Lejeune. All my Marine right. and some Navy corpsmen know what Camp Lejeune is and what kind of place it is. Um, awful place. I do not. I've heard some really good stories, though. It It's a great place to make stories. Yeah. A lot of good barrack stories. Yeah. Um, you know, day one in the fleet ran a half marathon, so there's that. Okay. Um, welcome to the Marine Corps. Welcome to the fleet we're running to the base gate and back. Okay. I fell out after like six miles. And that right there, because so going into, going into the Marines, I'm like, I want to use the Marines to get in shape. Because mm. I was, I mean, I was in shape, but I wasn't in shape right, right. shape. Yeah. I wasn't in what I needed to be. Yeah. Um, Going to use the Marines to get in shape, get some college credits maybe, and then serve a four-year enlistment, get out, go to college, and then we're back to this football thing I had going. Oh, okay. That was my intention. Okay. All right. Okay, first day in the fleet. Like a training camp. Yeah, a four-year-long training camp. <laughs> okay. First day in the fleet, run a half marathon to the gate, fall out six miles, and then I never ran unless I had to. Mm-hmm. Like for a unit PT, never ran further than three or four miles ever again. Okay. Actually, I did again later, but it was for a punishment. <laughs> that kind of set the tone for the fleet for me. Right. You get you there, know, slap in the face. Oh, my gosh. Like, what have I done? I went from this highly motivated, going to be the best Marine there is, like they're going to write books about me, mm-hmm. to I'm going to do the minimal. What will not get me yelled at? Almost would take getting yelled at if I could do a little less, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like right. so, it kind of a little shaming, a little shame shield. There. It hurt me, like it hurt yeah. my soul that that morning run, that first day in the fleet. Oh, I bet your sergeants loved you. Oh, so when you you know it's kind of like when you you're blind, but you like your sense of smells higher. Mm-hmm. My my sense of PT was down, mm-hmm. so I realized I needed to study more, right. get better at my job. Mm-hmm. I became I don't want I don't want to say the best forward observer in the unit, but <laughs> okay, okay, I attempted to become the right. best forward observer in the unit. Absolutely. Like when we were training, I made sure my target locations were on point. Um, I made sure my call for fires were short, concise, and had all the information I needed. Right. Reading maps and then learning infantry tactics and stuff mm-hmm. that I knew was going to get attached to infantry units. I made sure to read the to train and read up on that ahead of time. Right. Rather than wait for somebody to train me. Right. And then so... Being proactive. Yeah. Yeah, that's the okay. word, proactive. And so and it, it's it's interesting that you say that because, you know, in a, in a lot of the other episodes that we've had, we talk about that same thing. You know, like, what did you learn from the Marine Corps? What did you do? A lot of times we... You don't mean to. You don't, you don't realize you're learning those tasks. Yeah. You know, you naturally, organically realized, hey... I don't want to be like if I'm going to suck at running. If I'm going to, if I'm not going to, if I'm going to be that sham shield guy, that sham private, I've got to make sure that I cover my ass. I've got to yeah. make sure that I am the best I can be at this other thing that built in that 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 time management. That's kind of saying like, hey, I need to do this. You know, you start realizing backward planning. You start doing all that, and so you bring that from the Marine Corps into being a student veteran. We can talk about a little bit about that later. Um, so there you are. All right. Get back into it. There oh, you yeah. are. You're you're tr- you're trying to be the best. You become yeah. the best. You, you get a couple of rotations downrange yeah. under your belt. 
Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that. So, um, I'm not in the fleet for a month. First battalion, six Marine calls. Hey, we need a fire support team for each company. And then a battalion fires team, uh, for weapons company to support the whole is for a MU. Right. For Marine Expeditionary Unit. And so at the time, what they did was, you know, they, here's some NCOs that are going and then, all right, boots, we're going to, we need six of you to go on this deployment we're taking the six smartest of you. Okay. And there you are. There I am, number one on the list. Right. Just itching. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I go to one six. They put me in a company. I don't get an NCO. It's me and a radio operator. We're both. You're E4, E5? I was uh, E2. E2. Holy E2. smokes. So there's me and another E2 radio operator and some second lieutenant. Just bouncing around. We're just, where you get thrown into an infantry unit oh head my first. Gosh. Oh gosh! Um, but luckily, in that month, I was I'd, I was reading war fighting tactics. I was I was practice like we would get together. Me and the other boots would get together and learn how to clear rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we would even call infantry units to send like a sergeant or a corporal over to teach us. Right. We'd be like, hey, can y'all spare uh, a team leader to help us like learn how to uh, clear rooms, how to cross right. danger pathways and stuff like that. So I get to this uh, infantry unit, and you know. First thing I get called is a pope. Right. And everybody in the military knows what a pope is. Right. And then we go to our first range, and here I am, can do everything that their E2 infantrymen can do. Mm-hmm. I am on the same level as their boot infantrymen. Right. Because I sat there and I learned because I knew I didn't want to be the, the one who didn't know how to shoot his gun or right. didn't yeah. know how to turn corners and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, I was quickly accepted. Right into the infantry i wouldn't say as an infantryman right no yeah. but, but uh, they really understandable you know and yeah we've all been overseas but, or for those that have been overseas and, and you and you deploy with either an infantry unit or if you were infantry or combat arms and it, it's very quickly you know either yeah. you got it or you don't and you yeah. know, very quickly it becomes that you know that acceptance of hey i don't care what you are as long as you're good at your job. Right. You know what I'm saying? When it comes down to it, because, you know, there always will be that that poke, the difference between, you know, the different MOSs. But in, at the end of the day, can you do your job well? And then as once you prove like, hey, th- this guy's hot shit. This guy is awesome. You know, their girl, you know, this soldier is amazing at their job. After that, absolutely. Like, yeah. Everything else comes after that. But, you know, if you're not good at your job, for those that are in right now uh, and need, you know, or are going to be in, that'd be my my best advice is don't worry about the next step. Don't worry about what's coming in a year or two or where you want to be or who you're around as far as the job-wise, what unit you're in. If you're not good at your job, you're never going to get to that next right. step. You know, master your job, master your skill, your everything else comes after that. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than somebody that's terrible at their job and still they're being something they're not, you know, and that, yeah. that's we, we see that a lot. And, and a lot of times they kind of weed themselves out, especially, you know, in either, you know, special operation communities or, you know, the combat community. Right. Um, but you go through this first rotation. Yeah. Uh, not much, not much happened on the first one. We, we sent some, some platoons and, um, companies to just to do some small things here and there get home from first deployment Mm -hmm. and here i want to give you a five minute story of what happened between my two deployments i get home with my first deployment and this is so i'm the first point i'm not a jfo i'm still just a forward observe a forward observer a forward observer is actually the the officer job of my job okay i'm fire support man okay basic i get home they're like hey go to jfo school Okay. So I go to JFO school while I'm at JFO school. My entire unit, 2nd Battalion, 10th Marines, goes to Fort Bragg to do a major training exercise. Okay. So I get back, which, I mean, it's all, I knew it was going, I knew what yeah. was happening. But yeah. So I'm back and like nobody's there. So there's literally. It's not like losing your rifle, you lost your unit. You yeah. Get it's back. like, like ah. there's literally like 40 people out of the entire battalion that are not gone. Mm-hmm. So my days were very laxed. Okay. And um, I, I feel like this is going to be an idle hands kind of issue. Anyway, so it is college time spring break when I get back. And I'm at this point in time, I'm living with my friend who I deployed with, went to schools with, um, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and his wife. And his wife's sister Uh-oh. is coming to visit for spring break. Uh-oh. I'm like, oh, cool. 
I want to I want to meet this <laughs> oh. lady. This girl comes down for spring break, and day one she sees me in silkies, uh oh, slip on like work boots and a tank top, and I'm drinking Miller Lite in the backyard. Just the American man. Like, <laughs> if everyone here knows what I'm talking about, yeah. I am. I mean, thighs out, skies out, thighs out. You know? Right, right. For th- those that don't know about what silkies are, uh, if you've seen any kind of movie, you know, the, the short shorts, the, you Sophie's. know, Sophie shorts for men, basically, you know, yeah. in the in the army, we call them ranger panties or silkies, and mm-hmm. the Marine, you know, we have the black ones, you guys have the uh, green ones, green ones, yeah, and they're iconic, and yeah. they are oh so comfortable. Yeah, so me and my buddy are hanging out in the backyard, she's there, um, okay, later that night, fast forward about um, eight hours. Everyone is very drunk. Uh-oh. An entire bottle of tequila is down the hatch for one person. Mm-hmm. person who drank all of said tequila is missing. Um, I get girl's number that showed up, my, like, my roommate's sister. I get her number, like, hey, let's, let's go find this guy. So we go find him, and he apparently tried to break into his neighbor's car because his neighbor has the same exact car as his wife's. So... Things are escalating very okay. quickly. Yeah. Police are called. Okay. Neighbors' children, who were like 16 and 15, are trying to fight him. A oh. drunk Marine, not going well. Right. So it turned into me trying to hold my friend down. While, while some teenagers while, are trying to beat him up? While teenagers are trying to jump our fence <laughs> and beat him up. Cops are there. This girl mm-hmm. is um, screaming at the kids. It's, it's a bad ordeal. I ended up having to try and punch my friend a few times to get him to shut up. Right. I I broke my hand in the process. On your friend's face. On my friend's face. It was, now, I'm saying that as it was a sucker punch. I'm like literally holding him down. He can't defend himself. And I'm just like punching him. Right. S- screaming, shut up. You know, just yeah, yeah, those yeah. kinds of things. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And we end up at the Marine hospital. Court. Yeah. We end up at the hospital. Um, dude and dude is like. Are you still wearing Silkies and a no, 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 no. I am fully dressed. Fully dressed at this point. Oh, yeah. Okay. So end up at the hospital on base. Um, he is gone. Mm-hmm. His face is bleeding, bruised. Right. He's got alcohol poisoning. He's Uh-oh. he's getting IVs and mm-hmm. he's screaming things. And the MPs on base are like, "No, you can't go home to your wife because you're screaming things." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, he has to get put in the barracks all weekend. While they're at the hospital, wife stays there, and I go back to the house with this girl, wife's the wife's sister. Right. Um, and we stayed up till like six or seven a.m. talking mm-hmm. until the wife came home. And so, long story short, I'm married to that woman right now. No way. <laughs> yeah. I was about to ask. I was like, "Does this? Does your wife know you're telling this story?" And, but I didn't know that was your wife. And I'm married to this woman right now, and we're expecting a child this summer. What? Baby girl. Um, How did I not know this story? You had. I was me. saving it for this podcast. I knew this podcast was coming when I met you, so right. I saved it. Right, right. That is now. So I don't want to put my family's business out there, but um, that guy uh-huh. and the wife are, are split now. Okay. I'm th- so the wife is obviously my sister-in-law. Yeah, for, for, now. The, for those for those <laughs> worried about what happened, yeah. in those, so um, every, everyone is better off. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie. I'm blown away right now. Yeah. I literally had no idea that, where this story was um, going, and now yeah. that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was a start of mine and my wife's relationship. I cannot wait till my daughter is old enough so I can tell her how I met her mom. Wow. That it will be the best Silkies, how I met your mom story. Silkies in a tank top drinking a Miller Lite. It works every time for you future Marines. <laughs> Silkies, tank top, hat on backwards, wearing your Costas, drinking a Miller Lite. All right, so all right, so what? That's a good. Uh, that, I'm not gonna lie, that was a great story yeah. about how you met your wife. Let me hear what else you got. Barrack stories, just barrack. shenanigans. This is not a barrack story. This is a deployment story, but okay. it's more shenanigans. Shenanigans, nonetheless. This is shenanigans you can't even find in the barracks. No one does shenanigans better than a bunch of young Marines in Israel. In Israel, okay. Let's not do anything. Let's not start an international conflict. Let's here. not name unit names here. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Because I do not want to get called. Right. You know, and brought back in the Marines and the NJP and kicked back out. Right, right, right. Uh, we were told no tattoos. This is a tattoo story. Okay. Um, so we're in Israel, Elot, Israel. Uh, it's the southern very tip of Israel. I mm-hmm. can't remember this, the waterway that touches it. Mm-hmm. Um, so me and four of my closest friends from my second deployment, um, who all know I'm about to tell this story. Okay. And they're waiting for the link for okay. me for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> all right. um, 
So we're drinking. Uh, I'm the only one in the whole group that had been to Israel before. Okay. So I'm giving- Let me interrupt you real quick, just for the fans out there. How many countries have you visited? How many countries have you fortunate enough to visit by serving in the military? 15. 15. Can you name them all? No. All right, cool. We'll move on. Okay. Um. <laughs> so we're in Israel. Uh-huh. So we're walking around. We go to this one bar. <laughs> and um, so they're serving absinthe. And this is the real absinthe that is banned in America. You can't find it here. If you think you've drank absinthe in America, you haven't. Yeah, yeah. That's a 100% fact. I've talked to a lot. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go buy a bottle of absinthe. I'm like, nah, no, you're not. Yeah. Nah, it's, no, this this is real, like, kind of, you when you ask for your second shot of it, the bartender kind of, right. like, halts back a little bit. But anyway, what they were doing, they're lighting the absinthe on fire, cover the fire up, mm-hmm. let the smoke build up, put it in front of your face, you inhale the smoke, then you shoot it back. Right. Um, so I took three of those. Okay. That are everyone else involved. Yep. And things are disappearing into the sidewalk. There's things flying around me. It's an hallucinogen for those who don't know. Like things right. are happening. Yeah. And it was a good but not good time. Right. And so we're walking down the street and we see a tattoo shop in Elot, Israel. Oh my gosh. Home of some Hebrews who don't get tattoos. Hebrews don't get tattooed if you, if you didn't know that. So we walk into this tattoo shop, and there's a Hebrew tattoo artist who does not have a single tattoo on his own body. Okay. Which, if you've gotten tattoos, you know that's a very rare... It's odd. Yeah. Yeah. And then, also, they didn't speak very well English. Okay, I can see that. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're in Israel. They're, sp- they're speaking Hebrew. Right. Um, that makes sense. We want matching tattoos. Uh-huh. We want them somewhere inconspicuous that our command can't find them. Four young Marines walk into five. A, five young Marines walk into a tattoo shop in Israel. Yes, drunk. So we get spoons tattooed on our feet. Okay, I'm not going to name the name of the ship, but what we did was took spoons out of the ship's cafeteria, mess hall, chow hall, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Okay, um, and hid them places like other people's gear. We would hide spoons in there. I held, I hid. A spoon in my CO's left breast pocket, <laughs> and it stayed there for approximately three days before we realized it was there. Okay, um, got out of hand. Right, health and comfort inspection on ship to find spoons. As that generally happens. Okay, thank you for. All right, I'm not continue. I've, I want to add on to this about what you just said, but continue. F- finish the okay. story. Yeah. So we we were the originators of this spoon hiding game. Right. So we were like, let's get the spoon. Tattooed on our foot. Well, so we like we the word spoon in Hebrew. That's mm-hmm. an actual word. The the well, yeah. the the phonetic sound spoon. Uh-huh. So spoon in English and spoon in Hebrew are very two different things. So we had to Obviously. get on his computer and he had to change it to English and then we had to Google spoon clip art and we're going through the clip art images and um we found the spoon that we want. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I am tattoo recipient number one. I'm sitting in a chair. Tattoo artist shaves the top of my foot, lays the um, the thingy where they stick the image on your foot right. and the tracing, yeah. and he starts going with the, with the needle. I can't feel it because of the right. shenanigans that, that led up to this. Absinthe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all my friends walk out. So I go, I get my tattoo done, put my, they bandages it up, put the sock on, are you the only one with a spoon tattoo? No. I chased them down and forced them to go get spoon okay. tattoos. So we all get back to the ship, wake up the next morning. None of us who gotten the spoon tattoo remembered it. I woke up, my right foot had a sock on. It was just on fire, probably. No, I'm just like, I'm like, why is my sock on? I don't sleep with socks on. That's weird. Yeah, You're right. weird if you sleep with socks on. That's true. I can second that. Um, so I take my sock off. And there's a, a bandage on my foot. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is this? I take the bandage off, and I was, and I said out loud in the birthing on ship, I got a spoon on my foot. <laughs> and our doc was uh, the next rack over, almost fell out of his rack laughing. And the guy that's sleeping above me was like, he's like, dude, I got it too. And and I, was, and I'm I'm like, hey, everybody, wake up, wake up. And it's like 8 a.m. Right. Everybody's dead. Yeah. And I was like, wake up, take your socks off. Tell me if you got a spoon. There's five of us that have a spoon. Very well done spoon. It has not faded, but I mean, just a hair. Yeah. And it's been. And you wear socks every day. I mean, that's that's impressive, actually. I came up with a year that was. It's been like it's best five you not, years. It's best you not say <laughs> so you don't incriminate yourself. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so we get this, this spoon tattoo, and then 
couple weeks later, we're in the country of Jordan training mm-hmm. in very low hygienic conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing everything we can to keep our spoons from getting infected. Oh, man. We, we, we come out clean. Mm-hmm. But we kept them clean. Right. And mm-hmm. we, till this day, we'll stay in touch with each other. All because of that. All because of the, the spoon story. we have a spoon tattooed. Yeah. No, so, I mean, it, so it makes sense. And I mean, it's a, that's a, it's that kind of stuff. Too. And, and for those out there that are not in the military, you know, they may not be, the, the humor may not be there for you. But uh, for those that have served, it's, it's the spoon game, uh, like little stuff like that. You know, I know we, you know, everybody's played the rock game. Have you played the rock game where you're, you just throw rocks? Well, you throw rocks, but at a specific, yeah. Thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's I a different. There's a difference. You set apart from each other, facing right. each other. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, then also, you know, you, you stack rocks. Mm-hmm. I, I, the the rock stacking game. You know, I can't tell you how many times you're literally just out in the middle of nowhere, and then you pick up a handful of rocks, and then you see who can stack up the last rock without the pile falling over. That's genuinely like I can remember some of my, you know, not really my best times, but definitely the times where you were the most hyped, most hyped <laughs> about who can stack. And then you see it like, and as you're walking through the woods or, you know, or walking wherever and you find like that perfect rock, like the flat on the bottom that has a point on top. So no one can put it. There's no, yes. Yeah. So, yeah it, you get excited about little bitty stuff like that. You, you can't really explain that to anyone unless they've actually been in there in that situation. And then to go back on what you were talking about, it's like it got out of hand. Yeah. Um, th- dude, that was, I made it a rule. So my last two deployments, we had a couple of jokesters on there and of course it would always start it always get a little crazy. Like somebody do something, aha, aha, it's funny. And then two weeks later, somebody wakes up with one less eyebrow yeah. or somebody, you know, ha- you know, s- which something. is against the rules. Right. Yeah. It's uh, what's it called? Professionalism. You can't have yeah, one eyebrow. Exactly. So there's always like that thing. And I remember my last Grooming deployment, standards. it finally got to where I was like, look, no more pranks. Nothing like we get, we got to stop. Like someone's going to get in serious trouble. Like we, we have to stop uh, to the point to where I actually like, Got a little, uh, got a little, a little too angry at one point in time about it, just simply because um, the the shenanigans. We'll just call them shenanigans. Yeah. All right. So we'll uh, we'll take this time now to again thank uh, Weagle Radio ninety one point one for all their work that they do and they they're supporting us. Uh, Grayson Moore as well for doing all he does is making this podcast actually a thing. I say it every week. You know, we just sit here, we do the easy work, we just talk, we just run our mouth. Uh, what you're listening to, what you're finding on the internet, that's all thanks to the, the Auburn students that work in Weagle Radio, and uh, we're going to continue to use them. If you have anything for them, absolutely use them. It's a great resource. All right, here we go. Going into the next session, section here, okay? Um, so why Auburn? Uh, you know, where... Where where did you transition into Auburn? Like, how, why did you get out of the military, and why Auburn? I believe in Auburn, and I love it. Oh, I love that answer. No, so yeah. Yeah, actually, that is a very true statement. I grew up an Auburn fan. I would say my time in the Marines, I had to broaden my fandom to the entire SEC, um, but I, I zoned it back into Auburn. Now, when I got out, um, I quickly regretted it. I was like, this is not what I want. I went back in the military, mm-hmm. um, tried to go back, was diagnosed with diabetes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that really put a damper on things. Uh, but at, in the meantime, during all that- so You actually found out that you had diabetes when you were re-enlisting. Yes. Okay. I was try- I was calling recruiters trying to go back and then it, in the process of all that is when I found out. Like during a physical kind of thing, like during MEPS. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we- um, we, I say we, me, I was in junior college at the time because, mm-hmm. uh, like I said before, my high school transcript was not going to get me into Auburn University. Right. So I went to uh, Jefferson State Community College out of Birmingham. I went to the Clanton campus mm-hmm. uh, to get some basics under the way. Mm-hmm. Great, great school, great community college. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really didn't have a path planned out. Um, I had submitted to be an Alabama State Trooper. Mm-hmm. I had applied to trying to be a construction laborer because there, you know, there's always money in good construction. Right. I grew up in construction before the Marines and all that. Um, and then, so my acceptance letter from Auburn came back on the same day that the state of Alabama said, "Come in for an interview for to be a state trooper." To be a state trooper. Okay. And I was at a crossroads. Right. Do I want to do the military style thing and be a, a state trooper? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or do I want to 
go to Auburn University where it's been a dream to right. go to Auburn University. War Dam. Yeah. War Dam Eagle. Mm-hmm. And obviously I chose this, and I, yeah, here this you path. Are. Yeah. Um, so wait, what semester did you start? Uh, you know, I started in the spring. I started mm-hmm. in the fall of 18. Okay. So you got here right before I did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you, so you, you got here, you chose Auburn. I know, you know, I had talked about it with, with a number of, of other guests that came on, you know, that's, it's a very emotional moment, you know, yeah. uh, you know, getting that acceptance letter into Auburn. And for some, it's just another day, you know, they had no, like, yep, I'm going to get in. No big deal. And I then still f- have mine on my refrigerator. For, uh, exactly. Same. Yeah. And for others, you know, you may have come from a different background. You may have had different experiences to where it's not that hard. It's not that easy to get in for, you know, for some of us. And so it's a lot more emotional. And that's, I think that's kind of like the, one of the key values of a student veteran the student veteran, the the non traditional student, we almost appreciate. Yeah, here. we take advantage. We 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 understand that it's a gift right. being here. You know, when you walk across campus, you you feel it. You're a part of something. Yeah. That at one point in time, you thought that you would never be a yeah. part of. You, you know, did you ever think you would be the vice president of the Auburn Student Veterans Association? The thing that never would cross my mind would have been the Auburn and the student. Right, part. right. Much less this. Yeah, you know, and here you yeah. are. You, you you started. You did. Did you get involved with with the AWOL program at all with Hot Wheels? Uh, I came in the same semester as Hot Wheels. Okay, but I was. I'm very antisocial at first. I have to warm up the people. So right. I really wasn't in with this veteran crowd. Right, and so you, you come in, and you know, much like me, people, you know, you you, you kind of had to find where you fit in. Right. And then, you know, it took you a semester or so you get in with the student veterans. Um, you know, then I start seeing you a number of times. You know, I remember I, I didn't see you that often in the spring, but then kind of throughout the spring semester, you started coming into the Veterans Resource Center a little bit yeah. more and more and more, uh, getting involved. And, you know, you I think you started off helping Hot Wheels with Operation Iron Ruck yes. this semester. And that's kind of how you transitioned to being part of our little Iron community. Iron Ruck 2018 was my first event with ASVA. Okay. Um, I didn't finish it. I was, my diabetes got the best of me there. Mm-hmm. Um, what really shot me forward in ASVA was the March 3rd tornadoes mm-hmm. of last year. Okay. Me, Michael Patterson, uh, Kyle Venable, and... Puck. Mm-hmm. Um, we all, for those that don't know, uh, Kyle Venable and Michael Patterson, they were the president and vice president of the Auburn Student Veterans Association. Right. Um, last year, as in Puck, uh, Paul Esposito, he is the he's a retired naval captain. He's the director of the Veterans Resource Center Correct. here on campus. Yeah, so we went, and I remember literally the morning after those tornadoes came through, um, they said they were put, they put out on Facebook and sent a mass email. Hey, we're going to this place to help. Who wants to come? Mm-hmm. And, um, I lived in an area that was stricken by tornadoes at least three different times, mm-hmm. um, in my teenage years. Mm-hmm. So I was very sympathetic to tornado victims. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was, I jumped at the first opportunity was at a church at 7 a.m. the next morning, unloading trucks of donatable items. And it was from there, I, then like two days later, I'm helping clearing trees. And then last following Saturday, Puck texted me and was like, hey, go to the Tennessee basketball game, the Auburn versus Tennessee basketball game. You're which the, is this weekend. Yeah, which is this weekend. You're the game day hero. Wow. And I was like, like what Like what do you mean? And he was like, just go to Will Call. You got tickets there and somebody will be there to, to tell you what to do. And uh, it was the last home game of the season. It was, uh, it was the last – regular season game before this tournament, right mm-hmm. when Auburn started their streak. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being put in that position, I was like, this, this is awesome. This is your home. Like, this yeah, is your this people. is, yeah. I was like, what, what has transpired this week alone? Mm-hmm. I want to do whatever it takes to be a part of this forever. Exactly. And then when it reelect, or I would say reelections, but in the semester came, I was like, I want to help out in some way, but I don't think I'm in the position to be a leader of the group. Right. Um, I feel like I can help out a lot. Yeah. And then obviously things transpired through the summer and the fall semester. And I, I here you are, vice president. Here I am, vice yeah. president. Yeah. And, you know, a good takeaway from that is, you know, that, that community service, you know, the Auburn student veterans, just student veterans, organizations in general, you know, for those out there that's it's not a student veteran or a veteran or anything, you know, it's just that, that sense of community. And, and, you know, if you're out there and you're needing someone or you, you want advice on where you want to go to school, 
Auburn University, you know, we have a number, there's 500 different organizations on campus. Community service is at the top of everyone's list. Um, you know, unfortunately, we had the opportunity to, to, uh, help with the tornado, you know, it's mm-hmm. unfortunate the tornado happened. It was, it was fortunate for us to have the ability to, to help, help, you yeah. know, and, you know, that's what, you know, we, we come together as a community, you know, whether it be community service or us coming together uh, for Operation Iron Ruck, like we talked about in the episode with, with Hot Wheels for the common cause against veteran suicide. Um, you know, we bring you in, you know, you're just a student. You could have been anybody. You are you were the student veteran on campus, you know, the, the impersonal student veteran mm-hmm. walking across campus by themselves. Didn't really have a lot of direction, you know, as far as like a support group. Right. You know what I mean? Success comes in support groups. And uh, and so you come in, you find your support group, and it's just kind of been, you know, 90 yeah. to nothing ever since. Right. And I'm taking it and run with it. I actually sometimes get accused of being here helping ASVA out more than being at home and doing classwork. Right. Which is correct a lot of the times. Yeah. And a big shout out to my wife for being a rock star. She is a rock star. That's awesome. It's yeah. right now that I know the story too. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. All right. So last two couple of questions before we uh before we head off. Um just kind of wanna what in your opinion, all right, as a student veteran, as you know, that traditional went from high school into the Marine Corps you know, you had that experience. What challenge did you face as a student veteran when you got here? Uh, what was the number one challenge you experienced? And then also, what resource did you find? What what helped you overcome it? I would say that people put this thing out there that veterans will face challenges when they go to school. I don't like that that's said. Mm-hmm. Um Getting into school, getting in Auburn University, through like as a veteran, going through the the federal benefits that we get as mm-hmm. veterans, that was the easiest thing. And I sometimes feel like we have it easier than your traditional students to get school paid for, and you, we literally just show up, fill out some forms, and then school's paid for when you go to class. Right. Um, I would say the harder part is trying to let go of the fact that you're in there with a bunch of eighteen year olds and just accept it that you are much older than your classmates, mm-hmm. and they're not going to have the same life experiences as you are. Just accept that and then kind of invite them in to your world a little bit as they want mm-hmm. to know. Um, you have questions like, oh, hey, I haven't been in math since 2010. Right. I don't know these normal things that people here just know for pre-cal. Yeah, absolutely. Um and then, and other, and then at the same time, like you got eighteen year olds coming to you, it was like, my parents said I need to file my own taxes. Right? Can yeah. you help me? Yeah, exactly. It, and so, like the the there's challenges in the fact that if you let it be a challenge, right? Don't be a victim. Yeah, I guess uh, don't be a victim to the the stereotypes of being a student veteran. Yes, you know, is that your that's, that's yeah. what I'm trying to get out there. Yeah, so be be proactive. You know, yeah. be we try to tell everybody come into the Veterans Resource Center, and even for the students that are not veterans, find where you you know find yeah. where you fit in, find your community, and you know that's where you're going to start growing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as a student veteran, that is turning that pride, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Open it's up. Like, uh, having that pride. And I, I, I can kind of relate to that. I remember, you know, it's like, man, it's like, I don't want to ask for help because I'm so, I, I should be, I shouldn't need yeah. help. You know what I'm saying? And in the end, we're all here together. We know we're all humans. Mm-hmm. We're all here to this, you know, when you graduate, you're not going to get a list of every time you ask for help. Right. You know, so you're going to get the diploma, and that's what it's all about: is getting a diploma and getting a job, moving yeah. forward. You know, becoming an Auburn man, becoming an Auburn wo- woman as part of the you know the Auburn creed. Right. So, uh, so are there any other challenges? Anything else that you say see d- day in and day out? Uh, any kind of advice? One thing that you could impart on student veterans coming into or veterans getting out of the military and transitioning that transition piece. Um, and honestly, that, that's going to be the last, that's going to be the last part. Uh, I would say, what would you, what would you impart? The transition would be to do it immediately. Do not put it off. If you get out in July, start school in August. If you get out in December, start school in January. Cause the second you put it off, you're going to, you're going to get comfortable not being in the military and not being at school. And you're going to have a hard time 
getting into school. Um, I wouldn't say getting into school. The mindset. The mindset of school. When if you come straight out of the military, you still have a structured schedule, um, and you can come in straight with the mindset of you have things to do, you need to get them done, um, and there's things you have to do to get them done, and you're going to get them done, rather than, yeah, I've been kind of just winging it for the last six months. Um, yeah. I'm not in anymore. I've kind of dropped the whole military bearing mm-hmm. thing. Um, Treat it like a job. Yeah. That's what you're saying? Yeah. Um, you don't want to go jobless for six months and then, you know, have a you go six months between job and job. So treat the military and school as two jobs you're transitioning from. You want to be prepared to go to your next job before you leave your original one. And I'll just treat that transition to military as be, be, be prepared to go to school and be in school before you're even out. Yeah. And that, that would be my advice. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode, Matt. I uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, always a pleasure to learn something about one of my friends here on campus. I've known you, I don't know, a year or so now, too, and we see each other just about every day. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't know that story. So it's, it's awesome. Um, so for all you out there, thank you for listening. Tune in next time for the next exceptional student veteran that we're going to have on the podcast. Uh, and as always... Um, tune in on the second Tuesday of the month at Draft House uh, downtown on, in downtown Auburn. Like 10% of all proceeds from 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock goes to your local student veterans. All right, so that's going to do it for the latest episode of War Damn Veterans, Been in the Fight. I'm your host, Ben Barenton. My guest today, Matt Jones. War Matt, Eagle. M- War Eagle. Appreciate you coming in, buddy. Uh, tune in next time, and as always, War Damn Veterans, War Eagle.